Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties Podcast, where we are discussing the Federalist Papers. Today we will discuss Federalist 74. We typically begin these essays in terms of three big ideas. Here are three big ideas concerning Federalist 74. Big Idea 1. In Federalist 74, Hamilton described the President's role as Commander-in-Chief in the context of the President's executive authority. Big Idea 2. In Federalist 74, Hamilton justified the President's power to pardon with respect to the need to mitigate the severity of justice. Big Idea 3. In Federalist 74, Hamilton also justified the President's pardon power in terms of the need to address and reduce the dangers of sedition and treason. Federalist 74 is a short essay compared to the others. The points made in this essay are important, but stated relatively briefly. Federalist 74 takes up powers conferred to the President by the Constitution power to pardon, and the president's role as commander-in-chief. This role as commander-in-chief is Big Idea 1. Hamilton pointed to the state constitutions as precedent for consideration of the role of the chief executive as commander-in-chief. Note that Hamilton identified the centrality of this role to executive power, quoting Hamilton here, quote, Of all the cares and concerns of government, the direction of war most peculiarly demands those qualities which distinguished the exercise of power by a single hand. The direction of war implies the direction of the common strength, and the power of directing and employing the common strength forms a usual and essential part in the definition of the executive authority. End quote. Hamilton took up in prior essays the importance of the unitary character of the executive, and one sees the characteristic language here, quote, power by a single hand, end quote. And indeed, this point was asserted later in Federalist 74, Hamilton's arguments about the pardon power, where he argued that, quote, one man appears to be a more eligible dispenser of the mercy of government than a body of men, end quote. Big ideas two and three take up the pardon power in different ways. One way that Hamilton described the importance of the pardon power, this is big idea two, was with respect to the character of justice in general. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, The criminal code of every country partakes so much of necessary severity that without an easy access to exceptions in favor of unfortunate guilt, justice would wear a countenance too sanguinary and cruel. End quote. There is much packed into a single sentence here. First of all, a very broad claim, according to Hamilton. All countries have legal codes that could be described in terms of severity, not gratuitously severe, perhaps, but note his phrase, necessary severity. Second, Hamilton described what is necessary, described pardons, in terms of, quote, easy access to exceptions, end quote. Would pardons, two centuries ago or today, be well conceived in terms of easy access? Finally, is the concern that justice would be too cruel, too bloody, sanguinary, or that justice would appear that way? The phrase, quote, wear a continence, end quote, leaves open either interpretation, I think. Hamilton does not say the severity of law in terms of the possibility of making the law less severe, at least directly. 
Instead, he described the law as unavoidably severe. Therefore, we need pardon as a post hoc way to address the severity of law, because, as it seems, that severity is difficult to address directly. The idea, too, was about the justification of the pardon power with reference to the character of legal justice. Big Idea 3 focuses on a different justification of the pardon power, and it's being vested in the hands of the president alone, cases of treason and like crimes. Hamilton first characterized the view of those with whom he disagreed, quoting Hamilton on this point, quote, As treason is a crime leveled at the immediate being of the society, when the laws have once ascertained the guilt of the offender, there seems a fitness in referring the expedience of an act of mercy towards him to the judgment of the legislature. And this ought the rather to be the case, as the supposition of the connivance of the chief magistrate ought not to be entirely excluded. End quote. Hamilton then turned to arguments against this point of view. First was grounded in a claim that a single person, well equipped with, quote, prudence and good sense, end quote, would be better able to reach a balanced judgment in such cases than a group of people. This would especially be the case when considering representative bodies, insofar as treason might stem from wider popular movements toward resistance. Those movements might themselves have their views represented in government. Hamilton seems to have worried that the wish to be re-elected might cause two different kinds of problems in such cases, especially in situations where no clear majority might settle matters. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, And when parties were pretty equally matched, the secret sympathy of the friends and favorers of the condemned person, availing itself of the good nature and weakness of others, might frequently bestow impunity where the terror of an example was necessary. On the other hand, when the sedition had proceeded from causes which had inflamed the resentments of the major party, they might often be found obstinate and inexorable when policy demanded a conduct of forbearance and clemency, end quote. Note here Hamilton's presumption that something like a division into parties or analogous groups might animate judgments on such a question. Hamilton, after citing all of these points, asserted that one reason for arresting the power to pardon in cases of treason and like crimes in the president was preeminent. Quoting Hamilton on this, quote, but the principal argument for reposing the power of pardoning in this case to the chief magistrate is this. In seasons of insurrection or rebellion, there are often critical moments when a well-timed offer of pardon to the insurgents or rebels may restore the tranquility of the commonwealth, and which, if suffered to pass unimproved, it may never be possible afterwards to recall." End quote. So, with Big Ideas 2 and 3, we can see that 1 is about the character of justice and the necessity of pardon to address its severity, while the other is about the necessity to stop treason and rebellion and the uses of offering pardon of such acts as a means to that end. We often stop late in these podcasts to say a word about politics today and tomorrow in light of the essay under review. One thing I was struck by was Hamilton's general support of, and justification of, the pardon power. Indeed, he seems to have had good things to say about it as a general matter, quoting Hamilton on this, quote, Humanity and good policy conspire to dictate that the benign prerogative of pardoning should be as little as possible fettered or embarrassed, end quote. Prerogative, in this example at least, 
is used to describe the executive's ability to shape the decisions of the legal system after the fact. Do people today think of the power to pardon as benign? And would they be likely to think it benign if they believed that this power should, as Hamilton described it, quote, be as little as possible fettered or embarrassed, end quote? Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties Podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit our website at sunwater.org. Thank you.